Hey guys, welcome to episode number three of Let's Book Talk. Today we'll be speaking with Russell Berry, the author of The Wickedest of Things and the upcoming novel, The White Noise of Ashes. We had such a great conversation talking about what it's like to write short stories versus novels, where Russell gets his inspiration from, and we really got into a conversation about what the purpose of a villain is and what kinds of villains work best in stories. So it was a great conversation. I can't wait for you guys to listen. Uh, make sure to read Russell's book and to keep an eye out for when The White Noise of Ashes comes out. When he explained the plot to me, I was immediately all in. So I hope you guys feel the same way. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the episode. How did you develop your passion for storytelling? Oh, that's... Well, I, I've i always liked to read. I liked to read since I was very little. And it got to the point where reading a book and I thought, you know, I can do this. I'm sure I can put something on paper that would be like that. And mm. you know what? When in the seventh grade, they had the first annual horror story writing contest. So I gave it a shot and I won. And I won the next year and I get second place the third year, which I'm still bitter about. <laughs> but uh, the idea that you can write a story and put, just put yourself out on paper really appeals to me. And honestly, I think everyone's a storyteller deep down. So it was really natural and it's what I like. Now, was there ever anybody in your family that also had that penchant for storytelling or were you kind of the the first one or the only one that said, I, you know, I really want to do this. I uh, just me actually, uh, for my family, we're all characters. Each one's got their separate thing that they do. My, my brother's a fashion designer, as a matter of fact. So this art and my mom's a painter, this arts ran through the family. That's fine. But for storytelling, not so much. The closest we had was my, was my dad, but he's, uh, he's a lawyer by trade, so everything he describes is very clinical. Even when I'm mm. a kid, when I was a kid, it's just ask him a question. It's just, well, how best do I describe this? Mm. And for storytelling, it that really became my thing. But uh, they've been super supportive, and it just it is another artistic outlet. This was the one I got. Awesome, and, and I can't you know, draw, I and I can't. I can't <laughs> no i, I can't draw say, i can't sing i can't do anything worth a damn but i can <laughs> i can write yeah you know and, and i think the that issue of support is super important especially when anybody wants to go in a more creative route um and and the fact that you had that is is huge now where do some of your influences come from and, and that passion like did you draw upon you know some of the books you had read and were like okay i like this genre more than this genre i like this style of writing more than this one how did that all come about? Oh, definitely. Uh, when I when I read something, I'm drawn to the the writers that can put more deeper detail into a situation. There's uh, some writers that just paint a scene, and you can see yourself there. You can feel the moisture from the rain on your cheek. You can you know just hear the patter of it hitting the tables and chairs beside you. The, the full immersion in, in the moment. That's what I really look for in a writer. There's other ones that um, very much so live in just through dialogue and through bare bones, and they want to have your imagination fill in the gaps. 
that's not so much me. I, I, I'm always drawn to the ones who sort of paint their scenes a bit more vividly. And those are the writers I like. In terms of uh, characters and dialogue, what I don't like is, well, don't like, there's likes and dislikes. What I dislike is uh, a two-dimensional villain, for one. Just someone who is very much there purely to be the antagonist in any given situation when there's no backstory, nothing given. And it's this, this character exists purely as an obstacle we put in someone's way. Mm -hmm. So I really reach for books that can paint your antagonist in not a better light, but just a more vivid one. So this person is still absolutely horrible, but you can understand their motivations and you understand who they are. A good one for that is, uh, oh, damn it, um, Harris, excuse me. Very vivid for that. I can't remember the gentleman's first name right now, and it's going to bug the heck out of me <laughs> later. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're you're spot on with that because, you know, I've read uh, a lot of books, you know, watched a lot of movies and TV shows, and you're absolutely right. If there's just somebody there to act as a foil for, you know, the sake of, you know, just being the barrier. I don't like you. Yeah. I don't like you because I'm not supposed to like you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, in popular culture, I think if we're going, um, you know, just use an example with the Marvel movies, I think that's why Loki is such a popular character. Why Thanos yes. is such a popular character. Because, like, you know what they're doing is really bad. But deep down, you're like, I get the point of view in a roundabout way of why you're doing what you're doing, you know. If you want to reach for an example from literature, I mean, we can go back recently in Hannibal Lecter. Mm. I mean, Hannibal Lecter is the most reprehensible human being you could possibly imagine, but you still want to hear more about him. You want to see what he says from page to page. You want to see mm. that interaction he gets. You don't necessarily root for him in all those books, save maybe, save maybe the, the, the prequel he did, Hannibal Rising. But you completely get that character. You completely under. You can want him in as an antagonist, uh, or even reaching back even further, you can go Dracula. But that's that's a completely that's going to classics. That's going to something which is almost untouchable in terms of yeah. cultural impact. Right, right. Um, and, and you know, bringing up the the differences between you know going back to the writing styles of the authors who really paint that vivid picture for you versus those that want you to fill in the blanks and whatnot. When you write the, you know, short stories versus novels, how does that, is there any difference in how you go about that? Since you have, you know, let's say 500 pages versus a very short narrative that you want to get to a beginning, middle and end. Well, for a narrative, I think it's an author's responsibility to just you know, dot every I and cross every T when, you, when you're doing a long novel. You want to make sure that the, the plot is as airtight as possible. You want to make sure that the characters are relatable. And you want to make sure that it's seamless. So that there's a point where someone starts to look up from the page and go, oh, why did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. That's out of character. Or mm -hmm. that no logical human being would do that. So you put more emphasis into it. You put um, more effort into just making the experience as seamless as possible uh, when, you, when you're doing a reading read through. For a short story, the fun part of short stories is that being that you're, you, you're <laughs> sorry, the reader is committed to you for between 10 and maybe 50 pages. 
It's a short mm-hmm. one. So you, you can actually have more fun and you can take it to more, dif- to more different, to more extreme positions and places without having to worry about the suspension of disbelief. So you can have more fun with that as well. You still need to have it grounded in some basic rules, but uh, being able to do that is a lot of fun. I wrote uh, a book, well, not a book. I wrote a short story called uh, Sex Revenge and Chocolate Cake. And the whole story takes place in a cake shop where, where a guy is coming back to do a wedding cake taste, tasting for his own wedding. And the baker who made the cakes is an ex-girlfriend that he jilted a long time ago. So the whole thing is just this. I'm, I wrote this character to be as reprehensible as possible. You don't, he's, the, he's the narrator and you don't like him in any way, shape or form. But as it goes through, you, it gets revealed that oh, one of these cake samples he's trying has been poisoned by his ex-lover. And so there's that dynamic sh- shift where, well, this, this, is, this is unlikely. This is something where you wouldn't expect. And you have a completely unlikable uh, protagonist who suddenly <laughs> is getting his just desserts. Mm-hmm. And it's just being able to have fun is really important for short stories because if it's a little bit of escapism just put the best you can into it and let the let the reader's imagination fly yeah and i think that's a huge draw to it is you know not only the the time commitment is super manageable you know you're not devoting mm-hmm. you know so many hours in the day to reading you know a five seven hundred page page novel um yeah. but for you what is it about like do you have a preference of you know, writing a short story versus a novel in the sense of I can do things that I otherwise wouldn't do when writing a novel in a short story. No. Well, that's very true and I enjoy that. Um, in terms of professional pride, that you, if you write a short story and you write, it gets well received and it's something that you like, well, that's a week's worth of your work you've put into it. And of course that's wonderful and you enjoy it in terms of just something that makes a lasting impact. I think you pour so much more of yourself into a novel that if you for have someone read that and appreciate it, see where you've gone and all the effort you've taken and got the inferences out of it and the themes and enjoy the characters that the way you made them for professional not just professional, but personal pride. It's just the best experience you can. So again, I write sto- you can write short stories to have fun, but in terms of lasting impact, that's where the novel comes in. That's where you enjoy it. Yeah, well, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about uh, one of your novels then, uh, Wickedest Things. So can you oh, talk yeah. a bit about that story, how that came about, how that writing process went and all that good stuff? For that one, well, for that one, it, it had been an idea that I've been kicking around in my head for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd done escape rooms and things, and it, it was the craze at the time. This was a few years, a couple of years ago, and the idea that okay, well, what can we do to take this to the next level? What what would make this more amusing, and of course, make it with mortal consequences? All right. So here we we have our we have our goal is we're going to have people go through a series of escape rooms, and it's going to have the sort of uh, lethal consequences if you fail. Okay, well, all right, now who's our villain? We came up with the villain and the, and the real threat behind it. 
And so I've been doing this over in my head when my wife gets posted to Australia. And uh, all right, well, I'm teaching at the time, but you know what? I'll, I'll go with her. I don't want her to be alone for six months. And so I go with her and um, spend six months chugging about in a tractor, bouncing over fields. And you have a lot of time to think when all you're doing is yard work for eight hours a day. I went out and did that. And during the day, I came home. I wrote a couple hours in the evening. And it just, my goal for doing that is, this is a straightforward novel. I'd started a bunch and, I, and I'd always petered them. It always petered out, found a different project. I'm writing short stories or getting caught up in work. So this was one where I'm in one place, I've got the motivation, I've got the time, and I just wanted to put out the best novel possible. So now the real problem with that is, okay, we've, We've got the fantastic situation. Now make it plausible. Okay, what com what would do this? Well, well, tech companies are insane. Well, maybe this is a corporate event. Okay, that makes it plausible. And uh, make the characters relatable. Go through like that. The whole long process that you do in writing a novel, and any writer watching this will understand, is that when you plan it out, oh, okay, it's going to be this long, and then it suddenly becomes that long, and then that long, and then that long, that long, that long, until you finally get some, finish what you've written, and have this huge piece of yourself in your hands that you have to edit down to something coherent. How hard is that process to edit something you wrote down to a more digestible size? Ooh. Editing, editing is, it's both really easy and it's heartbreaking at exactly the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So go through a chapter and say, okay, well, I really, I really like this bit of dialogue between these two characters, but it's kind of a riff. It doesn't go anywhere. So does it add to the plot? No, it's just another character moment, which we don't necessarily need. So it hurts, but I can cut that and then makes the, makes the thing more manageable. The worst part is, though, sometimes you run into something that, uh, all right, I need to cut, <laughs> need to cut uh, a few hundred words here. And you read through a long speech that you've written and just, oh, this is great. But it doesn't go anywhere. So it just takes, just cut that out and trim what was a, you know, a huge paragraph of, you know, description descriptive uh, monologuing for lack of a better word just two mm. sentences there that's easy sometimes you also come across stuff where you wrote and you go oh god i wrote that that's embarrassing i'm taking it out right now <laughs> yeah and, and i think those things are i feel like you have to get attached to a point where like you said when it gets to be heartbreaking to cut something out that you might as you otherwise would have really loved to have had in there but in the grand scheme of things, does it make sense to leave it in there? Does it, you know, service the story and whatnot? Um, is there any decision that you've made thus far uh, with any story that you've written where you're like, I took it out, but man, I wish I would have left it in? Ooh. I, well, I'll be honest with you. When I I started out at Wickedest, and my plan was to, I don't know if it makes sense in retrospect, but... I had this sweeping battle sequence to start out with. Now it's meant, it was meant to be a bit of an illusion because my main character is a game designer. 
So you would go through this part of this battle sequence and have some indications that it's, you know, all not all real. And then at the end of it, you realize that the whole thing was just was uh, just a simulation and you get to get to know your characters after that. So I, I put some great imagery, imagery in there, some interesting humor. And I, I, I spent like a, a weeks just sculpting this so it would be really good. But of course, whenever a reader went through there, uh, this, is, this is great and all, but I don't know who this character is. Why am I invested in this? Mm. I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's in danger. I don't know why he's there in the first place. And that's meant to be revealed, but just everybody, a few people, readers, would just get tuned out by that. Okay. And I put it in the first place just because there's a lot of exposition in the first couple of chapters, and I figured I owed the reader some sort of intense sequence in order to keep them invested, but it did exactly the opposite. Mm. So it's much for the, be for the betterment of the book that I took that out, but still, it's, it's, on, a, it's on a USB somewhere, and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I'll read that every once in a while. <laughs> but it's much better for the book that I took it out. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of authors have those, you know, pieces that they, you know, whether it's on a USB drive or maybe it's on their notes app on their phone where they're like, I love it, but I have to take it out. Um, Everybody's got this sort of spare parts file where, yeah. Oh, this is, this is a great exchange between these two characters. I can't use it. Let's put it here. And maybe it'll get recycled someday. Maybe I'll use it for something else. I literally right. have a file on my computer called spare parts. Yeah, there you go. And one day those spare parts can can craft something new. So that's always good to have on hand. Um, yeah. Now, switching gears, you do have another book coming out this year uh, called um, The White Noise of Ash. Tell, ashes, can, White Noise of Ashes. White Noise of Ashes. That's the autocorrect yeah. there on the notes app. Um, it's all right. So with that book, can you tell us uh, a bit about that story, uh, how that one came about, and if you have sort of an elevator pitch as to why someone should read it? Ooh. This guy was came from the experience of writing Wickedus, really. I'm reading through that, and uh, it's a long epic novel to get into. I want something which is a little bit shorter, a little bit more concise, but I, what I really liked was... Uh, one of the genre I've always really liked is the, the murder in a small town type thing. So you've got a bunch of characters who you're supposed to know, who the main character is supposed to know, and someone someone here is a killer. Which one of these people I trust? Which one of these people with this intimate backstory I have with them has betrayed me or has betrayed everyone else like this? So all the way, going all the way back to Agatha Christie is that sort of thing where here's all these vivid little characters trapped in a room and one of them is the ne'er-do-well so i i quite like that 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 idea to do at the same time what i wanted to do as well was some i always like writing books with a lot of twists and turns where you don't quite know where the plot's going to go and so murder in a small town but uh there's a tip that leads them to, that leads the police to the body. What's this? What's this? Where did this come from? Oh, well, it's from this white noise I've heard. What? Well, on the internet, there's this white noise that just every once in a while a message comes through it and says, and this time it said, go to this place at this time or I'll kill you. 
and then there's a body there. Adds an extra layer of, well, what's going on in this small town? There's a lot more here than I think there is. That is very intriguing. And those are the kinds of stories that personally I love. I love those, you know, smaller contained, you know, murder mystery uh, types of stories Yeah. that I think can really, um, I, I, in a weird way, I think they often give you the most in terms of character development and, and motivations and whatnot. Um, now, is there, are, have there been, were there any differences in writing that story versus um, uh, Wickedest Things where the processes were a little different? Uh, whereas maybe you you did some things first versus you know the other the other time. Mm -hmm. Well, with, with well with wickedest, the big thing is uh, I know where I wanted to get. Okay, I want to get uh, to this labyrinth of escape rooms with this mortal danger. I know where I need to go. How do I get there? So I've Mm got -hmm. my destination in mind first. But with writing this, it's all right. I want to establish the mystery first. What mystery do I want? Okay. Body in the middle of nowhere, mystery, mysterious signal that tells about it, and sheriff who's inexperienced and in over his head in this small town where nothing is supposed to happen. Okay, I know my setting immediately, but where do I go from there? Ironically, the big thing I found was in was that I, I went, uh, I did wickedest basically back to front plot wise in my head. So I know where I want to go. How do I get there? With this, I I know how I want to do this. Where do I go from there? And so it's that one concept in your head. You have that idea that you want to have, that you want to work with, excuse me. So I want this murder mystery in this small town. I want this to happen. Where does it take us, though, is the real question. It Sometimes you don't even know who the killer is on page one. And then by the time you've written page three, all right, this is what I want to do. This is how I can do this and shape it up that way. So you have to have your plot thought out. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Before you start writing in any serious degree, you have to know exactly what you want to do so you can establish this. Any author who doesn't put some connecting tissue between chapters especially is, is doing a disservice to the reader and to themselves. But again, had the destination in mind when I first started Wickedest, had, <laughs> had the launch in mind when I started White Noise of Ashes. With that, just, okay, I know exactly how I want to start this. Now, where do we go from here? Let's do it, and let's do it right. In both cases, um, did you find starting one way or the other easier in any way, either knowing the end or knowing where you wanted to start it? Uh, different challenges, actually. Um, with, again, with, with White Noise of Ashes, okay. Well, again... I've got everything set up. It's a very, it's a very believable premise. I, uh, well, for the most part, anyway, some fantastical bit. But okay, I know I can write this easily. I can do just a little research to make sure I get the the jargon right. I know where it has to be because of uh, again, first of all, geography, terrain, uh, and the politics of it. I want to make sure it has this background, so I, I can establish my world really easily, and then I move in from there, and then let it spiral out. When, again, with writing Wickedest, the problem is that your whole premise is absolutely insane. <laughs> okay, 
I have to have like a big maze of different rooms with different puzzles and challenges in them. And I have to have this sort of ominous killer thing chasing after people from room to room mm -hmm. until they have to get out alive. That's, that's absolutely insane. How do I get to that point where it's entirely believable? Because again, if you jump into a point with, with a novel that just said, oh yeah, this is, this is fine. You know, the, there's this big whole maze full of, uh, full of escape room challenges. And then there's this, you know, deadly thing which chases you in the hallway. Yeah, you'll get used to it. It's fine. That's a big stretch to take. <laughs> and right. uh, you owe it to your reader to make all of that believable before you take them into it. Again, with white noise, it's, all right, this is a completely plausible situation. We know exactly where this is going to go. All right. So now this has happened. How can we take this to the next level? How can we make this more bizarre? How can we make this uh, more interesting and really take that situation and engage with it? Yeah. You know, I've never written anything. You know, I, I have a journalism background, so my writing is... I have everything I need. I just have to synthesize it and kind of give the reader what they want yeah. as quickly as possible. Um, so, have yeah. Have you thought about doing fiction? You know, I've, I've thought about it, but every time I start, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I just Why? can't. Well, come you on. Know, I, I don't know. It's my own self-sabotage, I think. You know. It, it's the Heming Hemingway said it best. You put, it, writing is easy. You put yourself in front of a typewriter and you bleed. So yeah. as long as you're willing to put yourself out there, then fiction is fun. Fiction is great. You might yeah. be surprised what you come up with. I hope so. I, I would love to do that for sure. Um, and I mean, honestly, you segued into the, the next question, which would be for any aspiring authors that might be listening to this, um, what advice would you give them or words of encouragement to, you know, not only trust their own creativity and just keep on going with the story, even if they think it's not good, um yeah. you know what would you say to them nope i would say just nobody writes because it's easy no one write, starts writing because it's the most obvious thing to, it's the most obvious thing to do it's a or a get quick rich scheme get rich quick scheme i'm a writer you know i can form a sentence <laughs> but yeah the best thing i can say is that you're writing because you have a story to tell you want to, you can put something on paper that can take a reader someplace exotic and give them an experience that they may not have experienced, had before. A new perspective on, on the world, a new perspective on whatever world you create. If, if again, sitting at a typewriter and bleed, if you're going to put yourself out there and if you write fiction, you have to put yourself out there because this is something you're making entirely out of your own head. You've got to take a chance. And some, some stories end up being dead ends. Some stories end up being life-changing. Try it. That's the best thing I can say. Now, on the flip side of that, what is the, the single worst, I don't say worst, but the barrier that you think people constantly um, find themselves running into that makes them stop? Is it that thing mm -hmm. of, oh, it's not good enough, I don't know what I'm doing, or is it something else? Well, partially that. I think it's the hopelessness factor. Mm. So you get to writing a book and whether you think that, okay, well, this isn't good enough. I don't like what I've written. I, no one's going to, um, I don't like it and no one's going to appreciate it. Well, there's that. 
that's one section of hopelessness, even though you can go back and edit as many as 10,000 times and no one will know. It's just you who's writing this book. Or there's the hopelessness of, well, okay, I can write this story, but no one's going to read it. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to sit uh, as a pile of paper on my desk or in a box someplace. It's going to be my trunk novel, which, you know, I'll be embarrassed to show that if my kids find it when I'm dead years from now. Or, you know, no one will publish this. It's so hard to get to get published. It's so hard to get recognition. Don't ever listen to that voice because it's there. But, again, you have complete power. You can go back and re-edit. You can apply for for with publishers a thousand thousand times and only you will know this it only takes one yes and only takes one person to read what you've written and think it's special yeah i i couldn't have said it better myself even though i have never written a, a thing uh in this you know in, in fiction or otherwise but um you know journalism i think a lot of counts my friend journalism still counts <laughs> thank you thank you um Well, Russell, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, for one, cannot wait to read both Wickedest Things I have on my Kindle Unlimited right now um, and then White Noise of Ashes because that sounds like an awesome story that I know a lot of people will like. Um, so before I let you go, if you can tell everybody where they can support you, where they can find your work and where they can find you online. For sure. Well, you can find me at russellberry.com. It's my website. Uh, if you want to read my work, a white noise of uh, white noise of ashes will be out this year uh, after some extensive editing, just to make sure I get it done right. Wickedest of the wickedest of things. Uh, my novel is available on Amazon right now. You can get it in paperback, hardcover, or ebook. And if you get the chance, do pick it up. Do give it a read. I appreciate any feedback I can get, any reviews, any. In any interest because writing is what I love and you make if you can make a living out of it doing what you love you never work a day in your life please That's check right. it out all right guys thanks so much for listening to episode number three of let's book talk make sure to go and support Russell any way you can definitely go read his book the wickedest of things and keep an eye out for the white noise of ashes once that book comes out remember we've got weekly releases every Thursday at 7 a.m. Eastern I know I said 11 a.m. Eastern in the first episode, but I want to get you guys some content when you're on the drive to work or when you're just bored at home waiting to start work or whenever, if you just can't sleep, I want you to have something to listen to early in the morning. So uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. We've got a ton of great episodes coming up for you. So please, I'd love to hear what you think about it. Uh, if you think I should add anything, if you think, you know, if even if you have some tips for me, I would love to hear them. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to y'all very soon.